New Holland. Here you will find employees diligently milking dragons for their delicious stouts. What's that, Casey? That's not how it's made? Well, that's less interesting. So what are we going to talk about? I guess we need to talk about how they came to be, what they make, and more about this brewery. So come in, slay the dragon, and have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. <laughs> oh, it's so strange to be doing a show and you all not be here. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> it was a long, uh, long streamathon. <laughs> Their own personal streamathon, plus the actual one. I'm, there I'm were a couple not, things going on that day. I'm finally not hungover. <laughs> and so the, I think those episodes are now uh, the public ones are now published. Yeah. Um, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say not that there was like a day long straight of editing, and I just kept hearing cursing <laughs> and her saying Bob over and over again. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they they are still on Twitch as well. Um, but the um. The Founders episode and the New Year's Eve episode, which we tasted through the Dragon's Milk variants, are both in the main audio feed now. No, but that was all a hoot. So yeah. hoot nanny, hoot nanny, <laughs> hoot nanny. It was so, fun though. Yeah, we we got we had very interesting tastings. Before episode. we get into that kind of stuff, what has everyone been up to this week? Recovering, <laughs> hmm. staring into the black abyss that is my my growing alcohol problem. I mean, isn't no? Isn't that what we all do to go to sleep at night? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Little nightcap, or forty. <laughs> <laughs> no, just getting back into work after being off for so long. It's it's you know back to the old grind, and so spending a lot of time in the office that you don't want to be there. Yep. <laughs> well, I see I... why this is that special time of year when suicide rates rise. <laughs> See, I've had this interesting thing. I'm not usually in the office at work, and for the past two weeks, and then I just found out again moving on, I will be in the office for a third week. So it is. Well, for you, that's that's great because now you won't have to be in like a negative one. I was going to say, I've been sitting in yeah. the office drinking a gigantic coffee, looking at my weather app, going, "Oh, it's negative ten currently outside." Boy, am I glad I'm not out there. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that's no, uh, that's in case fun. anyone's not aware. It's cold here. <laughs> yes, very much. Midwest is cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not warm. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, we went to the gym this morning, and we 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 were hoping that it was going to 
change a little bit or anything. Yeah, no. We we looked at like because we had the Chromecast up and it tells you the weather and stuff and we're, it was like eight. It's eight outside <laughs> when we go out. <laughs> I left for my half day of work today and went. The sad thing is, it's as warm as it's going to be today. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like still freezing. See, I'm still. It was cold enough that I'm pretty sure if uh, if our friend Kent was here, he would just start burning things <laughs> everywhere for warmth. Just no. This can't be. <laughs> burn it. Burn it all down. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this. I believe we have the return of our untapped segment. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, No, Rick, I won't. Never again. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, we're, 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 we're bringing back the old format of, of our untapped segment. Because uh, honestly, I've not been getting any badges because yeah, they've not been easier. they've not been it's forefront easier. on my mind, so I've not been thinking about them. Mm-hmm. It's easier to focus when I'm thinking that they they exist. Uh, so first up, we've got Pills Perfection from Victory Brewing Company. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, made with a, made with heaps of whole. Uh, yeah, that does say flour. But not the one I was thinking of. Okay. Made with heaps <laughs> of whole flower European hops and fine German malts. Uh, Prima Pils from uh, pardon, Victory Brewing sets the gold standard for Pilsners. Uh, just reading it makes me <laughs> makes me burpy. Makes you belch um, with anticipation. Uh, this award-winning uh, Pils brings you nothing but crisp, e- uh, crisp easy sipping. Trust us, this is perfection. Uh, you've been thirsting for check into one Prima Pills victor- uh, from Victory Brewing between 1 p.m. January 1st. <laughs> that's oddly specific. And yeah. January 29th, uh, 2018. And you'll unlock the Pills Perfection badge. So still got a little bit of time for that. 1 p.m. is very specific. Yeah, like that's all right. Well, that's kind of like uh, we were just looking at from a story that we're no longer going to be talking about, there was a brewery that um, had a solstice beer that didn't go on sale until the day of the solstice at oh, ten twenty eight on the dot, exactly the time of the solstice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, I, I, I see that," but this is just weird. People everywhere were trying to balance eggs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next up is untap the stack. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's stack from of cheeseburgers because I, I could go for that. So there are these new too, stacker really. things at Taco Bell. I don't know if anyone's seen them. They're basically taking the uh, uh, quesadillas and folding them over. Yeah, with beef with in beef. them, and they're like, "It's a stack," and it's like, "It's a folded over quesadilla," but I'll buy it. <laughs> Tortilla, meat, cheese, and vegetables. Um. <laughs> Says Taco Bell on the bag. Yep. Uh, okay, so untap the stack is from Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, so start your year with bigger, bolder, more complex beers by exploring Boulevard's Smokestack series. Since its inception in 2007... Oh, that's grammatically wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, this, the Smokestack series is focused on offering a wide variety of styles to fit any taste, from a year-round farmhouse ale or double IPA to unique sour and barrel-aged limited releases. You're sure to find something for even the pickiest of beer lovers. Expand your palate and start your journey into Boulevard Brewing Company's Smokestack series by unlocking all three levels on the new Untap the Stack badge. So, from January 1st to 28th, um, this badge can be unlocked by checking into one, four, and then six different, three different levels February of the beers. 
Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, oh. Um, be funny if it be funny if it was instead of and it was or. You just didn't know which one it took. Yeah. One, four, or six. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, unlock all three levels and you'll be entered to win weekly prizes plus a final grand prize of a trip to Boulevardia. Boulevardia? That's all. okay. Sure. It's, um, it's near Lithuania, right? Sure. <laughs> um, and it tells it, it also gives you a list of the qualifying Smokestack series beers. So um, I have not seen any of these, but I'm not really as familiar with this uh, particular brewery anyway. So. Most of these are on shelves, like everywhere. Mm. They are okay. not hard to come by, but I have not had even half of them. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, I think the idea is that some of these are named after, like, the idea of them being streets. Boulevard. Right. So you've got rye on rye. Uh, and then you've also got uh, scotch on scotch. I don't know if the idea is like it's rye on rye boulevard, scotch on scotch boulevard. That's how I initially read it. What about rye on rye on rye boulevard? That that requires three dimensional roads. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Uh, roads. No, I'm excited to try and work on a badge need... like this uh, because I am woefully ignorant when it comes to boulevard. And I'd like to change that. Hmm, yeah. All right, next up is Southern Tier's 2X IPA badge. Whether you're hiking, skiing, snowboarding, or whatever else you might do when you're there, is a chill in the air. Two times IPA or 2X IPA makes the perfect liquid hand warmer to help double your playtime. No. What about what about 2XPA? <laughs> 2XPA. Um, no, you, you shouldn't drink and snowboard, right? <laughs> Unless it helps um, you get, I mean, unless you're scared and it helps you get past it to to actually do the snowboarding. That's how you get hypothermia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking more of crashing. Or trees. Yeah, yeah. Go out like Sonny Bono. I mean, you don't have was to get exactly butt, the first like... thing that pumped up in my head. That was skiing, but both yeah. are equally dangerous. You don't have to get like wrecked. You know, like. <laughs> well, it's definitely uh, li- that liquid hand warmer. Better be cold, I guess. Mm-hmm. Feverishly hopped with a multi backbone, two X IPA from Southern Tier Brewing Company doubles your expectations of what a double IPA can be. Oh, how clever! The citrusy hops of the two X IPA tease the senses with a higher than standard alcohol content, which makes it a great cold weather companion when enjoying the outdoors. What is this? <laughs> so, man, do we They're now feel? Do we now feel Saint Bernard's little uh, casks with uh, just little beer casks? They just. Apparently. So you can get this with checking into one Southern Tier IP, uh, Southern Tier 2X IPA between one half 18 <laughs> to, to unlock the 2X IPA Go Play Outside badge. Oh, oh, untapped. I forgot how bad you were about dating. Oh, yes. You know what? Untapped is like our HuffPo from TMS. <laughs> you know? Oh, we keep using them, yet they keep they keep letting us down. Not really. But no, is, isn't this the one that they're constantly winning festivals and awards with it? Is it? Um, I, I know the last time we had it, it was at a festival. I'm pretty sure they. And we were laying always... in the floor not too long after. Okay, so yeah, they won. They've won All Tech two years in a row uh, as best of show, and they also have won at it was at the Winter Beer Fest, I mm. think, when you were up here, Casey. That they also took home best of show. Interesting. Oh, that's right. Because they, um, we were like, oh yeah, we've been hanging out with them or something that earlier yeah. that time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, yeah. we all earned bad, you know, bad related three cheers for the new year. 
uh, if you checked into anything, and, basically at the, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so we yeah. had that covered, you know. <laughs> had it covered. Some of us more than others. Had that on lockdown. Three cheers. Indeed. All right. Uh, Could have done with three less beers. <laughs> uh, we ready for some... To 60 on Wednesday. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> not up here! <sighs> Maybe know, for you all. Right? Let's, let's talk about the weather some more. All right, news. <laughs> All right, there's a last call list. More than 700 types of alcohol being pulled from Ohio shelves. Uh, I'm glad that's, Casey. That's a lot of types. Yeah. Uh, Casey brought this one to our attention. Uh, if you spent the new year toasting with some spirits, you may want to check your stock. It's last call for more than 700 brands of liquor uh, being sold in Ohio. The list includes flavors of some very popular brands like Smirnoff, Absolute, and Seagram's. The State Division of Liquor Control says certain types are being cleared out starting January 1st, 2018, and they won't be back. The Ohio Department of Commerce oversees the Division of Liquor Control and said the last call list is out with the old to make room for the new, and some brands on the list will be offered at closeout prices until they are gone. Oh, I don't need to know that. Uh, This is a lot, yes, uh, said Tanika Heath. Hey. Whatever. No idea. <laughs> What's going to be left? Beer. <laughs> I mean, okay. All right. <laughs> We're fine with that. Uh, Fox 45 went to Liquor and Wine Warehouse in Butler Township, where many of the items on the list were already off shelves. This list does not include all flavors or sizes of items, but does take five types of Captain Morgan, <laughs> nine flavors of Bacardi, 11 flavors of Burnett's, 14 flavors of Smirnoff and 21 flavors of Pinnacle off Oops. shelves. Address wow. how many flavors there are of those. Yeah. It's I kind mean, of the, out of that's control. That's the brand that has Pinnacle whipped cream. Yeah. yeah. Whipped cream flavored vodka. So it's... they've got a full are list of them. Are they the bacon people? I think, I so. think well, so. There's a lot of bacon yeah. vodkas out there, but now they're. Uh, is also on the list, which is odd, but I guess that doesn't. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they have a. The full list. Yeah. Smirnoff 100. They will no longer be selling Smirnoff 100 in half pint sizes. I've never even heard of some of this stuff though. Admiral so Nelson. Admiral cherry. Nelson, yeah. Admiral uh, Nelson cherries going away. Crap ton of Bacardi. Um. Appalachian <laughs> Spitfire. First no thing knows. on the list after shock, and I'm just I can just feel You're Matt just going like, yeah. good. Oh, college. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so no more Captain Morgan tattoo. I don't even know what that is. Um, no more Captain Morgan 1671 or Captain Morgan Parrot Bay, which I think was a coconut. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, I'm Highland fine with Mist. all these being gone. The one liter bottles of Highland Mist going away. Yeah. <laughs> Broken hearted, everybody. You know, just... Everybody yeah. is. That, I mean, let's... Any, anything really of explicit note on here? Things that we like people need to know about? Uh, no. Cruzan Banana? That's going away. Oh, thank God they're getting rid of the Malibu Red. Crown Royal Maple. Yeah. A lot of that one Almost brand not. I can never say the name of. That that they have like a, an apple flavor and they're getting. Uh, uh, I not, D-E-K-E-U. I, yeah, the yeah. Kuipers. Whatever that is. Something yeah. like that. The Coopers. Um, I do not know what I'm going to do without my Pinnacle Coke cookie dough, though. <laughs> I mean. Oh, that's gross. Or County Fair cotton candy. Without my I, you know, fuzzy vodka. fun of a lot of these, I, I'm like trying to f- fervishly scan through them to see if there's anything that's like, oh, good? that's actually really... Gilby's! 
Gilby's vodka, one hundred proof. There's nothing. I mean, global I... serious alcoholics drink. I, I'm just I'm looking at this like, yeah, I understand why they're doing this. Um, <laughs> rogues stuff seems to be like rogue Chipotle, their hazelnut rum, spruce oh. gin, malt whiskey. I can understand really? how that's not rogue selling Oregon. well. Yeah. Oh man, it's very particular. Uh, so, there's something. Uh, Glad we don't live in Ohio. For <laughs> once, yeah. Uh, Remy yeah, Martin. no, like there's. Okay. There's a lot going off there, but nothing that looks like, oh, these are the... For me, like, I don't see anything on there that's like, well, we're getting rid of all the scotch. So, right. It's all, it's all cheaper stuff. Tullamore Dew 10-year is gone. Oh. oh. Which is a good... Mm. Well, I don't know how good, I, but it, it's a scotch that it, I would assume I, sells fairly well. I actually just got there, as you said. I was like, oh, yeah. So it is. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. Um, wild Turkey Spiced and Wild Turkey 80... Um, on the bourbon side is leaving. Um, a couple, I saw a couple tequilas. Yeah. I'm somehow not surprised that Yacht Club Vodka is on their list. <laughs> My favorite. I'm sure they just took a list and said, okay, these are the 700 items that we sell the least of. Let's just get rid yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Here's here. This is good. This is good. Old Forester Mint Julep Ugh. is out. I mean, yeah. I don't like mint stuff anyway, but. All the flavored liquors, it looks like, is where yeah. they're going. I think Mostly, that was the yeah. overall theme, was this intensely flavored stuff. Get it get it the yeah. hell out. Okay. All right. Well. No problems there? We're all, we're, we're all good with that, aren't we? Yeah. I, I think, think we're, so. We're gonna be uh, I'm ambivalent about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how are we with uh, the fact that we've completely screwed our DNA? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, I'm pretty, pretty confident now. There's now very strong evidence that alcohol can directly damage your DNA. So there's an increasing body of evidence linking alcohol consumption to an increased cancer risk. And now scientists in the UK believe they have found a plausible explanation. In a new mouse study, the team found that alcohol damages DNA in blood-forming stem cells. Uh, The culprit is a chemical compound called... I screwed it up earlier. I'll screw it up again. Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. Casey? Acetaldehyde. <laughs> Acetaldehyde, okay. Acetaldehyde, a by- byproduct of the alcohol metabolization process. Got that one right, though. <laughs> the acetal... Acetaldehyde. I, I want to add extra letters that aren't there. <laughs> when it isn't broken down further, for instance, uh, when one has consumed alcohol and amounts the body struggles to metabolize, it builds up in the cells. This is when it wreaks its merry havoc on DNA, according to researchers. Tell it's from England. <laughs> according to researchers from Cambridge University, while well, it wears a top hat and a monocle. Uh, how exactly alcohol causes uh, causes damage to us is controversial. Uh, lead author Keaton Patel told the Guardian, uh, "This paper provides very strong evidence that an alcohol metabolite causes DNA damage." including the all-important stem cells that go on to make tissues. Previous research found that acetaldehyde causes damage to DNA, but these experiments were conducted on cells in a dish, not in a living body. So, big difference there. Uh, By using a living organism, scientists can observe the way a body responds. So this mouse study was a critical advancement in understanding what is going on. They gave the mice diluted alcohol, or ethanol, then used chromosome analysis and DNA sequencing to gauge the genetic damage. Uh, they found the... 
I've already forgot my trick. Acid aldehyde can damage and cause double. <laughs> I caught it back. Double stranded breaks in the DNA inside these cells, uh, permanently altering it. Uh, blood stem cells were used because they can be easily replicated for DNA analysis, but also because stem cells could be spreading their genetic damage throughout the body. The body does have a defense against acetaldehyde, a group of enzymes called acetaldehyde dehydrogenesis? Genase. Dehydrogenase. That. ALDH. How about we go with that? When these are working properly, uh, they neutralize acetaldehyde by converting it into acetate, which the body can use for energy. In order to see how acetaldehyde uh, affects the cells when it builds up, the team had to genetically modify mice with a mutation that prevented blood stem cells from producing one of these enzymes, ALDH2. Man. (laughs) So the the protective system, drinks that we drink already contain, uh, alcoholic drinks that we we have, beer, beer and wine especially, already contain acetaldehyde to begin with. So it's a compound that smells like green apples, and we probably consumed it if we had anything that smelled like green apples we probably consumed it directly when we do did our tasting episode i can't remember mm. if we did or not yeah we did okay so the straight acetaldehyde in the beer yeah now that is one side of it that okay you're, you're ingesting this but what it's it's really looking at here and the way i first looked at it was okay well if we just decrease the amount of acetaldehyde we're intaking uh or taking in it does uh, it would help with um at the end of that really it, it's at such low concentrations it truly is the alcohol that breaks down in your system causing this so it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's in the beer to begin with that much um whenever it comes in your system most people in the world um uh, many people in the world have these genetic uh created uh basically the the enzymes that will help break this down um adl aldh1 and aldh2 that's the reason they had to deactivate one of those in order to um keep this from or to, to do the study and check and see if that was actually working in these in this study specifically so whenever you are of asian descent however um you have a higher likelihood of having this turned off or lessened in its effectiveness. And so that's where most of the, what what's called commonly called the Asian flush, um, which is a reaction that uh, many of Asian descent will have when they drink alcohol specifically. Um, the skin gets red. They, they, they have a, a reddening appearance of the face. The, that is partially caused by the lack of this um, enzyme. And so they, they're thinking right now that, that that population may be more at risk than others for this to happen. Now, I'm not a doctor, so you know, what, take, don't, don't go saying, oh, okay, I'm fine, because of, of Have a Drink podcast. They said it was okay. <laughs> um, but this does break down in the liver from – the way the process works is it breaks down in the liver from alcohol into acetaldehyde into acetic acid is, is one of the, the final – um, components here, but the acetaldehyde stage is actually more toxic than the alcohol and can actually be responsible for the hangover symptoms that you get. Yeah, hmm. so it's a, yeah. interesting uh, fact there. 
Alright, today I learned. Um, as we all suspected, we are slowly killing ourselves. It's mm -hmm. fine. I mean, it, it's going to happen anyways. Why not uh, Why not speed it along, right? No. <laughs> Alright, let's go to something a little cheerier for news uh, for our last story here. Best cities for beer drinkers uh, in 2017. This is from Smart Asset. So, beer is America's favorite alcoholic beverage, according to a Gallup poll of alcohol-consuming Americans. In fact, except for a short-lived period between 2005 and 2006, Americans, on average, have always preferred beer to wine by about 10 percentage points. But for some beer drinkers, beer is more than just a beverage. It is a way of life. For these beer lovers, uh, scouting breweries and trying the newest brews is a true passion. Who, who could these people be? Hmm. <laughs> Not all cities offer passionate beer fans uh, the same quantity and access to indulge their beer drinking habit. In order to find the best places for beer drinkers, we looked at data on 300 of the largest cities in the country. We compared the cities using metrics like number of breweries, number of bars, average Yelp rating of breweries, and average price of a pint of beer. Check out the data and methodology below to see where we got our data and how we put it together. Uh, so, key findings. Uh, no regional dominance. The Northwest is probably the capital uh, beer region in America, with three cities in the top 15, but no matter where you live, there is probably a decent brewery relatively nearby. I feel uh, like we talked about this a little bit on the New Year's Eve episode, too, um, with the... Uh, beer uh, and Review. Yeah, 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 the Beer and Review, that's what it was. Um, and, and so Tyler suggested this to us, and of course, you know, Tyler's all fancy at being the number two city and everything. Um. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into the list here. Uh, number one uh, may came up may come up again in uh, future announcements mm. uh, yet to be known is Asheville, North Carolina, which we Ash kind of expected. <laughs> Asheville is a beer lovers' paradise. This city has secured three straight top two finishes in a study and two number one finishes in a row. The biggest draw to Asheville is the city's plentiful breweries. Our data shows there are 25 different breweries or brew pubs, uh, the 13th most in our study, but equally important is the fact that Asheville is a city of only about 90,000 people. As a result, it has the most breweries per person in the study. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Number two is Portland, Maine. So th this one goes to Utah. There you go. Portland ranks right behind Asheville and the number of breweries uh, relative to the overall population. The Forest City has 25 breweries per 100,000 residents and 17 overall, uh, according to Yelp data. These breweries are also pretty good. The average brewery in Portland has a 4.3 rating. Hmm. Uh, yeah. If you are Aren't a beer lover who prefers bars, Portland has plenty of those too. The city has just over 29 bars per 100,000 residents. Wow. Number Not three. quite enough that everyone can fit in there without breaking a fire code. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, number three was Duluth, Minnesota. Not really going to dive in there because Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> Why they're on there, who knows. Uh, but what's more important? Number four, Cincinnati, Ohio. What's more important for us? <laughs> Cincinnati is another city which followed up last year's top ten finish with another one this year. In total, Cincinnati has 21 breweries. That is false. We are now over 40. Mm -hmm. uh, good enough for 17, 17th most overall. Understand it since they're taking their data from Yelp to yeah. get their brewery count, which will be vastly inaccurate. But uh, local bloggers actually have this nailed down to over 40 breweries 
not that's not within like the metro area, but within what is considered the, the greater, greater Cincinnati, Cincinnati yeah. area. Uh, Cincinnati has that cover. Or wait, um, ah, missed my spot. Uh, if you want to mix in some bars during your tour of the brewery, Cincinnati has that covered as well. City has over 24 bars per 100,000 residents, and we still have a pre-prohibition bar running in its, oh, yeah, that's right. in its exact state. Like, it has not changed since pre-prohibition, and we've still never made it down there. I feel ashamed. <laughs> well, you know. It's There's worth- a lot of stuff to do. It's worth noting that Cincinnati breweries, I mean, on average, are not rated as highly as breweries in other cities. The average brewery here has a rating of 4.19. That scores 96th in our study. Hmm. I guess we just make up for it in volume? Maybe. Uh, well, they're not. They're taking in Cincinnati profit, pro, proper, so that means everything that's across the river right. over in Covington side does not get uh, added into this. And so if you think about downtown Cincinnati and the quality of those breweries versus the breweries that are just right outside the city, um, yeah. and people are comparing apples to apples here, yeah, you know, you're saying, okay, I like this beer the most, and this one a little bit less, so I'm going to rate this 4.5 and this one a 5. And, you know, so the beers that are on the, the skirts of the city are actually much better, I would think. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get in, top out, get through the top ten here. Number five, Austin, Texas. I would love to spend a beercation in Austin. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Six, Missoula, Montana. Wouldn't, wouldn't think Montana. Sure. Uh, number mm-hmm. seven, Portland, Oregon. So that's uh, Portland to dreary Portland in the top ten. <laughs> uh, I it was shining. When, when did it become dreary? It's, it's Portland to dreary Portland. They're both pretty dreary. Oh, well, you okay. make it shining because of the sun. No, they are not shining. They are dreary. We are not lying to people. Number eight, Denver, Colorado. Or Colorado. More than just Coors is brewed in the Rocky Mountains. Denver is home to 69 breweries, giving it the second most overall in our study. Woo. That's How many silver bullets, though? Too many, too, many. Yeah. Uh, too many. Number nine, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Didn't see that one coming either. And number ten, Seattle, Washington. So they give you their full breakdown list here, which is pretty cool to see the data laid out in front of you. I'm just picturing Fraser Crane staring into the camera going, I'm drinking. <laughs> uh, when you go Sorry. through average price, I mean, some of these look like it's just because the beer's cheap that they made the list. Like Reno, Nevada, $3 is the average price. Same with Omaha, um, 375 good for the average beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Duluth. That I think that's how they got it there. The average price is two bucks. Wow! Wow! Uh, we are. What do they have that is is scaling that down so so low? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of happy hours. <laughs> uh, they have more microbreweries per resident than Cincinnati. Mm. All right. Sure. We're good on them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe. We have some announcements and things. Yes, we have quite a few. Oh. <laughs> quite a few this time. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, first of all, we want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in during the live New Year's Eve streamathon. Um, thanks to your donations, our particular stream raised $302 for the Donate Life America charity, which is an organ donation. Yes, Ooh. during our shift, yeah. it was uh, $302. So thank you all so much for that. Yeah. That was awesome that we could contribute. 
And overall, during the 27 hours of constant streaming, uh, the group of Diamond Club, we were able to raise $2,023. Yep. So nice. that was, it was a little under our goal, but it was still amazing to raise that much money. Oh, yeah. And you can still donate. Uh, we will have the link in the show doc and on our website. You can still go and donate anytime. This is not a charity that only takes donations for a small period of time. Right. It is year-round, and you can still donate, and uh, Diamond Club have credit for getting these donations. Hmm. We don't get anything for it, but you can still donate in the name of Diamond Club. Indeed. Um, now, uh, normal stuff. Our next episode is going to be Saturday, January 13th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and we are going to be tasting through the Sierra Nevada Snowpack. Um, Finally. Yeah, so that one should be interesting. Um, you know, it is still awfully snowy in, in most of the country, hmm. so that works out. Yeah. Um, uh, one random announcement, uh, I think. All of our video and audio will actually now be in one feed together. So you're going to get the our standard, like, tasting episodes that we do on Twitch um, every, every other Saturday from the ones that we do that are just, like, informational. Uh, there will now be a, a mega, mega feed. feed. Yeah. Um, no more confusion over what's going on. Like, no, it's just the mega feed now. Yep. It's all coming to you. You're going to get it. Open your mouth. Here it comes. Will the, will give the video in the audio, the video will still be in audio, right? Yeah, it'll all be audio only. Um, yeah, everything yeah, we'll will come in. audio feed. on that feed. Yeah. Right. Yep. You can still tune in. Uh, an edited or, version. You probably. can still tune in on Twitch to see us doing everything as well. Yes, every Saturday we're still going to be live on Twitch. Um, also, the, so the biggest announcement we had on New Year's Eve is that we now have a Patreon. So uh, if you get value or entertainment from this show uh, and would like to support that, you can now go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow and actually contribute. Yes, um, and you all have floored us. In two days, <laughs> we hit our first, wow. our first goal. So thank you all so much. Mm. It, it was amazing. So, uh, because of hitting this first goal, uh, starting probably next month, uh, probably around the 1st of February, we are going to start doing a weekly news-only feed. So, that'll be in your mega feed. It'll start coming, a weekly news show. And we can't wait, mm -hmm. and we are still floored by this, that you all would just... I, I, I'm speechless. Speechless! <laughs> now, we were expecting, you know, a buck, buck fifty total we were not uh expecting what we got which is amazing um so yeah so thank you guys for your support and if you would like to um if you haven't pledged and you would like to give us money um to help with hosting costs to help with um furthering the show uh feel free um there you can do as little as a dollar a month you can do five dollars a month um either of those two or anywhere in between really uh will get you access to our new Discord server, and there's a special Patreon-only channel in there as well. Um, finally, we just wanted to also remind everybody, um, another goal that we're kind of hitting, or, or getting toward, is that we're about just over halfway to our goal on Twitch to become affiliated. Um, so we need those follows. Follows on Twitch are free. You don't have to you know, pay money to, to subscribe or anything like that. Um, so twitch.tv slash have a drink show 
follow us if you haven't already. Tell your friends, that kind of thing. So we're tell your uh, mom about this. Yeah, it, whatever. But not you know. my mom. She doesn't want to know about this. <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah, not not any of our parents probably. Um, but yeah, so uh, help us out there. Uh, you can help us out either by uh, the Twitch thing, if you don't, you know, have the funds, or go over to Patreon and and donate. So, yep, that's it for the announcements. I think. All right, I believe right. we have a couple topics that we need to get into. Two topics. I only, I only introed for one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, primary topic we got is uh, the New Holland Brewing Company. Surprised it's taken us this long to get to them, yeah. considering our our general love of dragon's milk uh, I mean, and other things although but mostly some things milk. some things belong <laughs> in a dumpster fire do they you, do they though you know who you are drink we'll talk about this later all right so jason spaulding and brett vanderkamp uh, i almost said vader uh, <laughs> uh the founders of new holland brewing company grew up together in midland michigan and later attended Hope College. Uh, in college, Spaldings and Vanderkamp uh, cultivated a love of home brewing, uh, which would bring them together again shortly after graduation. Their business plan took two years to formulate. At the very least, they thought it through. <laughs> uh, uh, once complete, they, uh, the pair quickly lined up investors, and in 1996, New Holland Brewing Company was founded in Holland, Michigan. Uh, I don't know word yet. I don't know if they've created a new town <laughs> next to Holland. Called, called New, New Holland. Holland. I had no idea there was a Holland, Michigan. <laughs> first of all, and oh. it known for its windmills. Oh my god! I came, I came this close to putting a joke in the doc about dikes. So researching uh, this, uh, the original logo was a windmill. Ah, oh, they should have kept mm. it. No, I'm okay with their logo. Uh, I'm just waiting for the part of the script where we talk about the dragon milking. Uh, originally, the uh, the duo uh, the duo's goal was to produce beer that was characteristically unique to uh, Western Michigan. It's very specific. Uh, yeah. Their beer was well received, and the company uh, increased production to just over five thousand U.S. beer barrels. Uh, five hundred ninety thousand. Is that liters? Liters? Is that what it's supposed to be? Okay. Uh, in two thousand six. Uh, in 2007, the company increased production to over 7,500 U.S. barrels, 880,000 liters. In that's, recent years, those numbers. That's mm-hmm. a big jump in a year. Uh, yeah, yeah, one year. That's that's a pretty big, pretty big increase. And in recent years, those numbers have continued to soar. With the company currently producing 30,000 U.S. beer barrels annually. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know how accurate that last number is. That was just the most recent figure I could get. Yeah, it turns maybe out. it's maybe it's some kind of number we haven't even heard of. Maybe it's like, and I mean they're really amping things up right now. They're uh, in a current can push, so they are trying to switch all their mainstay beers over to cans. That'll be odd. I feel having dragon's milk from a can. I don't know. I'll drink it though. It's not like we actually drink it from the can though. You yeah. know. So speaking of which, in two thousand one, I mean, New Holland. Hold on, Brittany. We need to establish whether or not uh, dragon's milk is going to get shotgunned. Ugh. Not by it. me. I'll do it. I, say, I do not want that. that but not someone good. out there is going to do it. Someone will, yeah. I will really bear this burden. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. In 2001, New Holland introduced a beer that would change the game, Dragon's Milk. 
Uh, the idea for Dragon's Milk came from stories of cider brewers who aged their cider in bourbon casks of uh, Vanderkamp set to specifically design a beer to complement the cask flavors and came up with a beer that, quote, lives in this area between a porter, a stout, and a dark ale. Dragon's Milk is a 17th century term used to describe the strong beer usually reserved for royalty. This strong ale was aged in oak for over 120 days. The aging process extracts flavors from the wood, which contribute to its complex character. Hints of bourbon flavor perfectly complement the roasted malts to produce a beer fit for a king. The unlimited release, I love that tagline, by the way, because most bourbon barrel-aged things are limited releases, and they're like, no, this is unlimited. It's year-round. Get it whenever you want. We always release it. This unlimited release has become New Holland's best seller by volume and boasts what I'm considering to be the most variants on a single beer at over 34. I had to go and look it up on Untapped, and one that I could find that I, I'm pretty sure are official. It was over 34 variants, most of which are unbottled. Uh, they do who knows how many that just go on tap randomly. Mm. Uh, but with variants like Coffee Dragon's and mint. Milk the coloring book. Dragon's <laughs> Milk the t-shirt. With variants like coffee and mint, vanilla chai. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, do you want to? <laughs> oh, I'd love to. Thai curry, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's Thai curry, but I was trying to get Brittany to say it because she was talking about it earlier. Uh, oh, because it sounds gross. <laughs> and maple and coffee, they can't go wrong. They, they can't. No, all the ones we had on uh, our streamathon this year on the Diamond Club streamathon were all great. They that, were all fantastic. That, the s'mores and then that salted caramel. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm only it's... now remembering them as you just as you say the names. <laughs> so they're all. I mean, the flavors are weighted perfectly always in these dragons and milk variants. I think there's only one, and it was just because I wasn't fond of putting. Um, those tart beers or those tart flavors in with the dragon's milk uh, mm. last year with the raspberry lemon. Yeah. That was the only mm-hmm. one that I've not favorably rated. That was a little off. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was challenging. Like it, they were challenging what you, what you taste in a beer, what you expect. Indeed. All right. Uh, 2005 was another big year for new Holland, seeing them cross into distilling they were one of the first craft distilleries in Michigan not attached to a winery and are proud to also be one of the oldest. They produced nine spirits, including Knickerbocker Gin, Clockwork Orange Liqueur, Zeppelin Blend American Malt Whiskey, and Beer Barrel Bourbon. <laughs> I have to say that very carefully. Beer Barrel Bourbon. Beer Barrel Bourbon. I, I, for some reason, it just messed me up earlier. Um, it's, it's a whiskey blend that's aged in the spent dragon's milk casks, making it not really a bourbon, since these would be a third-use barrels. Um, and also, it's not made in Kentucky. Um, I and mean, two- technically, that's not the... But it's totally the rule. It's totally the rule. Uh, in 2012, brewmaster John Haggerty left New Holland to start his own brewery in Dayton, Ohio, Warped Wing. Did not know this. Warped wing <laughs> falling like, oh, off the shelves around us. <laughs> Just raining down from the from And the now heavens. I will be running around gobbling up all of it I can, not knowing that their original brewmaster from New Holland is the one who started yeah. Warped Wing. I had no idea. I, I feel like such an idiot. I really loved Warped Wing's smoked porter. Like it's so We good. still have one more can in the fridge that I've not touched because I felt like you wanted it. 
but if you don't want it, I'll, I'll completely have it. I mean, we can split it. It's fine. So <laughs> the barrels, they they could, if they wanted to, they could call it bourbon if they wanted to. Because they if they had aged it in the right kind of barrel before, they then place it into the casks that have beer in them. Hmm. It's a bourbon that's finished in these casks. Gotcha. Yeah, but they have to do the first part in... Right, so I'm. They're probably not. If they're calling it beer barrel bourbon, a whiskey, it, they, it might. If they call it beer barrel bourbon, it probably is a bourbon mm. finished in those casks. Mm, okay. Mm. I mean, I know uh, Jameson has their cask mate programs. They finish their stuff in in uh, uh, spent right. Oh yeah. Beer, yeah. bourbon beer barrels or something. Angel's Envy is the one that I think of because they age all their stuff in. Um, Cherry casks, I think it is, mm. after. Mm, so yeah. it's a bourbon that they then age in cherry casks, if I'm not mistaken, on how they they finish it. I'm still pretty sure it's it's considered a bourbon. Hmm. Uh, cask strength. Yeah. Port. Hmm. Ah. Port. Okay. Yep. I feel like we've had other things uh, similar to a port recently. Yes, we need to have a port episode. We haven't had that yet. Oh, no. In the dock. <laughs> In 2016, it saw New Holland and Pabst Blue Ribbon enter into a partnership. This partnership allowed New Holland beers to take advantage of Pabst Global Distribution Network and gave Pabst an expanding offering. It's more important to Pabst to build partnerships, they say. It's more important for Pabst to build partnerships with four or five diamonds. Craft breweries that have this something very special about them and allows them to thrive over a long time. At Holland Production Campus, operations soon moved from producing beer six days a week to a 24-7 schedule. That's really important because if the equipment never cools down, you can get some efficiency in there. It's really nice. Mm. Uh, packaging also moves from five days to six or even seven days, depending on demand. Currently, the brewery pumps out anywhere from 200 to 300 kegs a week and packages anywhere from 2,000 to 300 Sorry, 2,000 to 3,500 cases per day. Those production numbers will increase to meet demands in the new distribution deal that came in in 2016. Hmm. Um, they were pretty heavy on the fact that this is not a buyout. Don't call new, it a buyout. Yeah. New Holland owns the brewery still. It's just they went into this partnership deal for distribution's sake. Yeah, they didn't so, sell yes. off any any part of it, I don't think, for it. Yep. No, a... no, they sold no stake. So this was very similar to what we saw out of uh, Southern Tier, Victory, and 21st Amendment. Mm-hmm. The three when of them they entered, together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they entered into a very similar distribution deal. And these are things out of last year, some of my favorite news stories, because we were just begging. We wanted something because these breweries need, they need the cash influx to get them the boost to get out there to bigger markets. And it was like, well, why don't they all just start teaming up? And lo and behold, they've started just teaming up to get each other's beer out there. Maybe now Paps will share some of those blue ribbons with other, <laughs> other brewers. Can, can we get a Dragon's Milk blue ribbon? Uh, no. no. No, we shouldn't. No. <laughs> when they lo- and then it, for the love of God, now that is holy. Uh, uh, a dragon, also, Dragon's Cask uh, blue ribbon, where they age nope. the Paps in... <laughs> It's just running a good cask. Yeah, <laughs> right? Although I do like that they keep submitting uh, Paps Blue Ribbon in 
just different categories every year at awards and they keep winning. Yeah, just, that's... but never in the same category twice. Yeah, it's never considered the same in the same category. Like I think it won gold or, one time. gold or silver this year in cream ale. For some reason, Paps was considered a cream ale this year. You never sure. know uh, where they put it. Yep, I'm All just right. picturing them doing it, and they're just like, "Let's see what it's like." All right, next year we slide it into bourbon barrel aged. <laughs> yeah, all right. See if anyone notices. Make stuff up. All right. Well, they know. They know their market. Yeah. All these beer nerds really go out to the dive bars and drink Pabst Blue Ribbon for two dollars <laughs> a can whenever they're they're out there listening to their their punk rock ska band that uh, that they're so hipster <laughs> no. with. They, they no, I don't. That said. <laughs> They sold Peps there, and I refused to drink it. Because that's the, they... that's the, the hipster beer. I know. Look, yeah. if there are people in is there it still wearing... still a hipster beer? Is, is that when still... you can't have craft, you have a Peps. If there's someone in there wearing skinny jeans and a flannel shirt, lo and behold, there, there's going to be Peps on draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, All right. This is showing it. Anyway. Let's um, get into our... One other, one other thing before we move on. Uh, when we were mentioning buying... Uh, buying steaks you know people buying steaks in each other again all i picture is someone coming up to uh to uh uh like oh let's go to to like let's say they didn't do it but let's say like you know paps is buying steak in new holland they go all right we're buying steak all right here's your porterhouse here's your ribeye <laughs> i want someone to do that very badly could be just that i'm hungry steaks just sounds good anyway Okay, let's go into our second topic I'm here. I'm drunk. You're drunk. Everybody's drunk. Yeah, yeah, give me a few minutes. Uh, well, I feel we'll... like that was appropriate for this. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we've only got so many topic uh, topic yeah. intros there. So we're going to go ahead and talk about, since we got a little hammered and forgot to talk about it, actually, on New Year's Eve. Well, not even hammered. Like, we had so much Don't, going on. No, no, Brittany. You can say hammered, at least when talking about some of us. So we couldn't say, well. The plan was, so if you want to go to the videos, you can actually go watch what we did on New Year's Eve when we uh, drank. We were supposed to talk about all this stuff during the Founders episode. We were supposed to talk about so much to do. We barely mentioned the beer and review from the Brewers Association. So I left that out of this. But this is our year in review, best of slash predictions, uh, since we were too drunk to remember on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So last year on our New Year's Eve streamathon episode, or uh, not streamathon, one of our year in review episode, um, we all picked our top five uh, beers for that year, and then um, in theory we were also supposed to make predictions, but I think only one of us did. Um, Two of us made got through predictions. (laughs) Okay, so last year my top five beers were Rubus Cacao from Madri. Unfortunately, there were a lot of um, local ones, uh, or two local ones. Sorry. I'm thinking of it's like the half the list. Rubus Cacao from Mad Tree, which is a raspberry chocolate uh, stout. stout. Um, rum barrel aged snow shovel from Braxton, which is a winter warmer. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I almost wanted to put that on my list this year, even though I didn't have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hazelutely Choctabulous from Rogue. Um, Citradelic from New Belgium. And then the Tart Lychee from New Belgium also. I'm, I'm glad someone went through there and spelled those correctly i was just going off the top of my head i think that's correct anyway um i didn't have any predictions apparently so but this year um instead of five we're narrowing it down to three which is very difficult and it's going to be top three drinks not just beer i wanted to make it so narrowing it down from five to three like it really left a struggle to figure it out it was really hard um 
So this year, my top three are, op- and these aren't in, in particular order, um, Opal from Firestone Walker. Um, it's one I had this year. It's not like necessarily stuff that came out this year. It was one of the best saisons I think I've had. Then the Rum Barrel Aged Bow and Luke from Against the Grain. And I put it on here because it's not, Against the Grain is so widely distributed at this point. There may be a few states that they don't get to, but it's not as local as, you know, as some other things would be for us. Um, and then third is actually not a beer. It's a bourbon uh, that I tried at Casey's. <laughs> um, and we're thinking, because I don't remember now, that it's the Weller um, Antique 107 bourbon. Uh, Old Weller is what they call it. Sorry. Old Weller Antique 107. Mm. I think it was the reserve because I went back and and oh, it was the reserve. Looked, tasted them between um, us talking about it and before the show. Yeah, and the other one does have a much heavier butterscotch flavor. Yeah, the one that I tasted definitely. I was like, oh, this is so smooth, and I taste butterscotch, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so okay, so maybe it's that one. Either way, yeah. like the Weller Urban Weller series period. Yeah, it's just it's just good. Like if you find yeah. it somewhere, just grab it. But yeah, and then uh, I've got the prediction. I have that, uh, and I don't. I just kind of threw this together because I'm really not 100 percent sure. We're gonna have way more uh, northeast, um, northeast uh, New England style beers from national breweries, which we're kind of starting to see now. Um, and then uh, potentially bigger players experimenting with wild yeasts. And this is like half prediction, half hope. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if this is really going to happen, but I think it would be interesting. All right. Oh, yeah, I am next. Uh, so last year, I don't even remember most of this list. Like, I remember how they taste, but I'm going, oh, apparently I made a list last year. Let's see. Yeah, I had the uh, Rum Barrel Aged Snow Shovel from Braxton. Uh, number two was the Worldwide Stout from Dogfish Head. Uh, three, the Neapolitan Stout from Sagatuck. Still one of my go-tos when I see it out. Uh, lemon pound cake from Listerman and uh, the Citradelic from New Belgium yeah, that gateway into oh, yeah. into hops so I'm still uh, really sad I have not had the Neapolitan from Sartre mm, yet I thought no they were out the day we went to uh, just, we went to Hopcat before Alltech that's right yeah I was starting to think no we, we went there We, but yeah uh, this year uh, just going down to top three my my list was weird in the sense that uh one i don't remember all the stuff i drank this year there's a lot of things it's hard for any of it to stand out yeah uh i had to go through my whole untapped list basically filtered I was scrolling down trying to rate by best whatever one of the first things i had was uh, uh one of the things i put on the list that was i was excited to get it and it was it did not disappoint was uh the 2017 woot stout mm. which we just looked at we have a bottle of it but i'm saving them to do to do in a row there yeah, so I still okay. want to have that really mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> so we can do a vertical. Uh, another one is uh, one from uh, Three Floyds that, uh, that I particularly enjoyed because uh, I, I grab it all the time, it seems like, uh, and that's the Necron 99. Very surprising the... because it says Scottish real big on it. And so you're like, oh, it's going to be like a Scotch ale. Boom, hops. <laughs> because Three Floyds, I think. Because they're going to hop all in your face. <laughs> they will. It not for everybody i admit that uh that said it's one of those like the name got me like that must be necrons i mean okay sure let's see what 
All right. No, I, I actually that was another one of those things that helped increasing my uh, let's say my my hop flavor profile. Mm. Uh, and giving there's... giving you a good nerd on, we'll call it when you look, you're looking like no, it's just straight up like a Warhammer 40k Necron on the label. Yeah, it kind of is uh, with a mohawk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, last is uh, something from the Christmas episode because it impressed me: the uh, hot buttered rum. Oh, mm-hmm. that I made the list too because I yeah. was thinking about it this morning. About man, I'd mm. go for a hot butter drum. It came close to making like my <laughs> list. It was like a bourbon kicked it off. That's the only reason. Um, I almost just made the whole list that Christmas episode, uh, but <laughs> but hot butter drum, especially if you drop a chocolate bar in there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As we discovered, that was interesting. Yeah. Just, yeah. Start <laughs> dropping you some chocolate in there and let it melt in with your hot butter drum. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, my predictions for this year are uh, are nothing, much like last year, because I am dumb and I cannot prognosticate. Oh, All right. Honestly, I can't I can't guess on what's going to happen in the future. Like there's just stuff is weird and it changes a lot. It's difficult. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, so last year with the five, I was uh, I kind of all over the board, all over the board. So last year. Uh, I said Anchor Porter. That was delicious from Anchor Brewing. Uh, love it all the time. Hazelitly Chalk Tabulous. Um, fantastic. I'm waiting to find it in bottles again. Uh, Tart Leche from New Belgium. Yeah. I really wish. So they're, at the end of the year last year, the biggest liquor store around us blew out all their old inventory, including their Tart Leche bottles, for like nothing. They had them down to like three bucks a bottle. And I was always just like, because I had so much beer, I was like, I can't justify it, even though it's that cheap. And now the only place in town that still has bottles are selling them at full retail ply- price, 18 bucks a bottle. And I cannot, just like knowing that it was so cheap at another time, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, after that, I had Hetty Topper from The Alchemist and Black Note from Bells. And my prediction last year was Brittany's prediction for this year because she knows it's happening that's like stacking the deck i said new england ipas would hit national breweries and again i was off by year because she's already seen all the calendars to know that every national brewery is going to be offering a new england ipa most of them as a new year round offering that's not like a real thing because i probably have seen i don't remember i don't remember that stuff like the thing i i guess the the prediction is more like how widespread it's going to be like i think it's going to be more than what we're even thinking because it's gotten so popular um and then you know i've got i've also got the second part of my prediction which is just the like the dumb thing about the wild yeast all right so yeah last year i said new england ipas will hit national breweries i was off by a year yeah um it apparently took them a lot longer to nail down this particular style uh the only not even national that we saw was heavy seas got theirs out this year. And I think that might've been it. It was a solid offering. Um, it was a close mimic of new England IPAs. So this year, my favorites coming down to it, we're going to say bourbon paradise from Prairie artisan ales knocked it out of the park. This is a, uh, coconut stout aged in bourbon barrels. Oh, I don't even remember that one. Oh, it just came out. Uh, Jim brought it over last time he was here. Mm. Not uh, not New Year's Eve, but before that. Mm. And then I managed to grab another bottle that maybe we can all get to it sometime. Uh, 
Also on my list, uh, the Firestone 16, uh, their anniversary mm. ale from 2016. I like when I saw your guys' list, I was okay. like, oh, I should have put some some Firestone on there because. So that's the Firestone 20. Yeah, yeah. So not that the Firestone not the 16. 16. Yeah. So um, that one was amazing. Uh, our good friend Nick brought that out to Nerdtacular and listener uh, patron, patron, you know. Uh, yes, uh, listener, patron, scholar, Saint. bartender, Saint Nick, bartender. In, yes. Well, in, in our show, bartender. bartender in the Discord. Yeah. So no, that was he just showed everyone up. So we brought a bunch of local stuff, and I was like, okay, I need to run the gamut on things. I'm gonna bring some wild ales. I'm gonna bring some IPAs. I'm gonna bring some stouts. I was like, I don't know what, just trying to play to tastes. And then Nick shows up and just whips it out for everyone. He's like, oh, I brought like four years of the anniversary <laughs> ales from Firestone Walker. Uh, there was, or I think it was like just different styles, but yeah, some really good stuff. He there. just like oh, yeah, laid no. it out that on the That barley table wine, yeah. And no, yes. like no one could compare. Yes. I forgot about the barley one until this exact second because <laughs> because I was too drunk to check in at the end of Nertacular. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that next day was rough. <laughs> is all I'm gonna say. Because <laughs> we were like, oh yeah, let's let's go even higher up the mountain. But anyway, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. closing out my list. Uh, I had to, it was a toss up, so I had to throw them both on there. It was between the French toast double brown or sticky treats from Folky Buddha. So, and this is going to lead directly into my prediction. My prediction is that we are going to see the sweet pastry beers jump the shark this year. It's going to get so bogged down in the market. They're going to get so over the top and crazy. They're going to be so in your face that finally people are going to have enough of it. Hmm. But I do have to say that like Funky Buddha, beyond almost any other brewer, they have nailed it in these beers tasting just like what they're labeling, like... The French toast double brown tasted like French toast. Like, no joke, you tasted every single element of French toast in that one. And uh, Sticky Treats tasted just like Rice Krispie Treats. Like, every every single note, it was just like drinking a Rice Krispie Treat. But I yeah, the uh, peanut butter and jelly, I think I had, was, was oh, very similar as well. That sounds fine. Yeah. So, yeah, Come. those... Those really, I think we're going to see the growing into that. And we're already seeing a lot of articles come out about that, about how uh, beer lovers might be losing the meaning of what beer is with that that style of beer. So last year, my top five picked a uh, Phantom Saison, uh, then Hetty Topper, Pearl Necklace by Flying Dog, Cantillon's Rose de Gambrinus, and then finally, top of my list was session a Session IPA from Hilton Head Brewing Company. I did not get to go back there this past year. I may get to go this year. We'll see. Hmm. Um, prediction of last year was end of high dollar buyouts. Ding, hit that one on the head. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. The you... last one that got bought out, we'll talk about that here in just a second, but the last one that got bought out uh, was last year. Um, 5,000 breweries is the limit, and we've hit it, is one of the things I said. Currently, we've beat that by 20%. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm wrong on that. But I'm still bullish on this prediction. I think that we've had a lot of breweries that are, I mean, the, the breweries that have opened are not not doing what they would have been doing years ago, I don't think. Um, we've had Blank Slate and 8-Ball in the Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati area alone close. Um, they, they morphed into something else, but it wasn't, I mean, those were both closures um, in Cincinnati, which is one of the, the top beer cities in the u.s so this is something i think we'll be seeing 
maybe not next year, uh, maybe not this year coming, but maybe in like a year or two, we may be seeing this. Hmm. Yeah, um, we discussed discussed in another episode briefly about you know when are initial loans going to be on call? Like when are banks wanting you know the bigger payments? Well, when's it gonna? When are these payments going to start piling up that breweries can no longer put off the payments if they're unable to make them? Well, no, that's, I mean, they're, they're making payments just as soon as, basically as soon as they um, start the brewery, banks will give them the loan out and they, they make payments starting basically a year or so after they've, they've really went in and started making beer. Um, but the key to that is that the amount that they're making whenever they come in may not be what they're expecting. And these breweries that have been around for a long time may be getting the, the boot um, it may not just be the new breweries, but the ones that have been there and just haven't really kept up with the times. Um, we, we've lost a lot of those, but folks like Blank Slate came into it. Uh, they've been around, I think, a while, and they, they were just weren't the... changing as quickly. It cost a lot more money to to put in the equipment and grow, and they yeah. I don't think they were real willing to add that much more. They were in a bad effort. location. They had opened. They were open before tap rooms were legal in the state of Ohio. And so their location wasn't selected for, you know, patrons to be coming in to the brewery. So it's in a bad location. The building was not suited for it and that the market shifted on them that quickly. Yeah. Um, I think we're in a year of, of what will be, and you can't really prove this one way or the other. So it's not really one of my true predictions, but I feel like it's going to be a year of bad beer. I feel it's going to be a year of uh, breweries that do open um, aren't going to be great. And so they're they're going to suffer on that end. Their location may be the only thing that saves them. Um, also, we joke that AB uh, Inbev would try to buy a small craft brewery and get into the sours market. Well, kind of. Um, Wicked <laughs> Weed would not be small, but they definitely are in the sour game. So I can say no. AB... I would say on a whole, like as a group, we kind of nailed that one. We were joking, yeah. saying about a local brewery, You're like oh. They'll buy them just so they can get into the wild and sour game. And then, no, they went for Wicked Weed. And it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, I said more uh, fruity beers that weren't Gosa but were slightly tart. Not these crazy sours, but, like, just slightly tart. I think we're... The Arbor came along and said, you know what? Shut up. <laughs> I think it's slowly going there. I don't think it's it's necessarily... Um, I, we haven't seen the Gozas come out like they have been no. uh, the year prior. Um, we have been seeing a lot of sour beers, though. But everything's kettled sour, and I hate that. I hate kettled sour yeah, beers. Yeah, I'm not a fan of kettled sour. Really, there's only... I like some barrel-aged kettled sours, but that's... Mm -hmm. You throw it in a bourbon barrel, and I'm probably going to love it. Yeah, I like the bacteria that kind of grows over a long period of time. You get a little bit more complexity, a little bit more depth. And, yes. And, the stuff that's that's there. I like that. Um, then I also uh, want to say last year I said a drop of IBUs with more fruity and aromatic hops being on the rise. I don't know exactly how this, this fared out in numbers since, but to me it looked like there were more fruity hop beers, um, more fruit in beer this year and not as much on the let's push the ibus really bitter i think it went more definitely went more sessionable yeah on the bitterness they weren't they weren't going as nuts on on ibu being the you know the, yeah 
New Lord came out in uh, 2016, so yeah. that I think was the one of the top ends. I'm so I was willing to give you that one. No, I think you called both of those. Uh, there was because those were kind of separate predictions that you had made. I'd listened to the okay. episode earlier to get all these. So yeah, I would say you called the drop in extreme hoppiness and IBUs. We'd stop seeing these, you know, hundred plus IBU scales and it would drop and we would see more fruity hops and more aromatic hops when that may come in with our uh, story earlier in this year about the over ordering of hops and now uh, you have a bunch of hop farmers who have to sell these extremely fruity aromatic hops at a big discount mm-hmm. top three beers of the year, or top three drinks of the year um, Imperial Rum Barrel Aged Pina Colada from uh, the Funky Buddha Brewing Company oh getting uh, hot in the brewery <laughs> It was good beer, really good beer. Um, it was closest to El Coco that I had found uh, as far as being flavored-wise, uh, very similar. Um, also, that smoothness and freshness that it came with. Uh, Firestone Walker 20th Anniversary, that was another one that was on my list, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then this one goes into my prediction and one of my favorites for the year. I stumbled upon the Henry McKenna Bottled and Bond 10-Year Bourbon. And it is one of my favorites. Uh, it is my favorite bourbon of the year, I think, um, as far as what I've discovered this year, new this year. Hmm. Try not to to not repeat any of my same. If I have something two years in a row, I try not to repeat. Right. Um, it being my best of the year. So my predictions. So this is the beginning of the end for big name white lines in beer. There's uh, plenty of Bourbon County, uh, Bourbon County brand stout still left on the shelves out there. And so I think people are going are right now spending a lot less time waiting in lines for beer that is currently sought after. It's hard to measure this, but I'm thinking that you'll see more and more of these big beers that people wait in line for becoming less and less of an issue. People are going to value their time over a beer that they could get down the road, something that tastes 98% the same. Yeah. Or very similar. So, They're going to go down the road. I want to bring up something, a way to measure this. I don't know if you want to take a look and watch and see what happens. So, um, Hoof Hearted, they're in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. They are currently the most sought after beers in our region. And they currently, for the most sought after beers that don't have a hippo on the cover. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, they sell tickets for their releases on Eventbrite. You have to buy a ticket just to show up. With your ticket, you get. Uh, I think it's like two four-packs of whatever it is they're releasing, and when you get there, you can decide to buy more. But with your ticket, you get the two guaranteed four-packs, and they currently sell out of tickets, and it is, from what I'm told, a complete zoo every time they do a release. So the reason uh, it's going to be difficult is because they these breweries like to say, oh, at our brewery, we release this, and, and 5,000 people came to our brewery, and... We that was ten percent more than what we had last year. Yeah. As soon as it starts going down, they're not going to list out the number of people that and how many it was compared to last year when it starts going down. Oh yeah, that's um, locally we watch that at a brewery that I usually attended every monthly release. So mm-hmm. at first, I mean, it was almost in the thousands of people for the first couple months, and then it dropped down yeah. to you know the upper hundreds, and then maybe five hundred, and then maybe two hundred. And it got to there being like 30 people there when the doors opened. And yeah. then it turned to this month for the release. I didn't even go. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's, this it's is... a commitment to keep doing that over and over again. And oh, yeah. at a certain point, you know, you, you 
you don't and, get as excited. And the economy is better. Um, the the numbers are showing that since you know, like the past four years, it's been steadily improving, and so people have jobs that they've got to be at now, and they've got more money where they can go if they want this beer, they'll go and buy it off of somebody that didn't have a job that stood in line to go buy it. They'll just buy it post secondary market hmm. um, and go that way. Um, second prediction is this is going to be the year of expansions into second locations and franchising. I think you're going to see fewer breweries, new breweries open, and you're going to see a lot more second locations of breweries. Um, you know, we saw a split of fatheads, but I think that something similar to that fatheads model will start working out a little bit better. Yeah. They had been pioneering that, like, I think way ahead of their time putting down this whole franchising thing and that i mean the that dream was, cast of franchising it was their whole west coast franchise that now has separated ways with them and become a new brewery but still the that's idea gonna be my prediction that's gonna be my prediction two years from now after casey has <laughs> proven right is that this is the year when they start breaking apart there you go um i think this is also going to be the year of the belgian styles in microbreweries mm, i think yeah. they're going to be spending a little bit more time on their belgians and trying to to get some quads out there, some triples um, from your your local home brewery, or, or, or not home brewery, but your local uh, uh, beer brewery. I'm, I'm fine with just going to my local home brewer and go, hey, buddy, what you got? So, Casey, uh, you going to be working on some uh, doubles and triples for us? <laughs> we might. We'll see. Um, it's too cold right now for me to do any doubles or triples. I was having a hard time getting a mat, uh, getting a uh, match to strike just to yeah. light the yeah. – uh, getting a, a – uh, fermentation above 60 degrees earlier because just it was so cold uh, my floors are cooler because it rests right on top of the the basement which is like 30 degrees right now oh my gosh um so uh this also will probably be the year that you see bourbon barrel be- bourbon barrel beers will probably start to fall out of of you won't see them grow you won't see new that many new bourbon barrel aged beers right they look for Tequila barrel and rum barrel. Those I feel like two. that's been the the it's been the it's been the trend for yeah. the last it's couple gradual. of years. Like they're they've been barrels t- have been growing uh, growing along with them. I think this is the year that it finally that tips over. Growing, yeah, yeah. I think this is the year that that we run out of bourbon barrels that are out there that are available. Um, whereas tequila barrels are, are going to be a whole lot easier to find. I think that's um, correct. The scotch makers need them. Stop yeah. this beer. I think that's like the most, I think, I mean, so far, like these are pretty on point, I think, but I, I have to say as much as I love some of the taste of some bourbon barrel aged beers, I'm also looking forward to, cause I, after having a handful of the rum barrel aged, I think that is a really good way to go for certain flavors. And I would appreciate some more of those, actually. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got to say this is a good called shot because uh, the two variants on the Abyss this year, which I don't know how much of a prediction you could make, you know, have that gauge. Yep. But the two variants they did were Rum Barrel and Tequila Barrel. Mm. Yep. And look for So you've seen some of the big breweries that have done this, and that's where you get a lot of this information is what did the big breweries do? What did what did this one brewery do that was really, really hip at, at a national convention? You look at that, what they've done, and you see that happen in um, the microbreweries a year later, whenever they finally get the resources and get what they can right. to do it. Um, regional breweries, speaking of those bigger breweries, regional breweries will find it a little bit harder, or ho- quite a bit harder to grow this year. Um, your Braxton brewery is going to have a hard time making this next step yeah. from a 
a local to a regional, it's going to be very difficult for them to try to do that. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of competition out there. Yep. To even get to continue on the thing, so to, to, to scale bring, up, you've got to got to bring the end that's, game. That's the bit. That's the hardest step, I think, is to make it to a regional. From regional to uh, national, it's not horrible. You, all you've got to do is make the right the right push in um, who you're going to be your distributor. Um, but from a local to a regional, that's the hard hard push. And so I think people are going to be it's going to be even harder. And you're going to see fewer breweries that push regional. Um, they're going to attempt to, but there are going to be fewer breweries that that push really far regional. Uh, it's going to be more hyper local focused, like you'd see um, with your local home, uh, not home brewer, but local uh, brewery, um, doing some different cool stuff. With that, I think quality is going to suffer a little bit because um, the regional breweries do do bring a certain amount of quality control to that. Um, so you're you're going to see kind of this ebb and flow of quality and size over this next year. Um, bourbons, uh, to get away from beer a little bit, bourbons will start losing their older age statements. Uh, we've heard about this. Chris and I talked about this a little bit already. Uh, Henry McKenna, the one that, that I picked as one of my best bourbons of the year, will actually tra- probably be one of the harder to find bourbons over the next year. I think by December next year, um, or yeah, December this year, 2018, mm. um, Henry McKenna will be one of those bourbons that's actually very difficult to find on the shelves. We gotta get so on that. That's a friend <laughs> of the show, Jim, uh, already mm-hmm. sensing this in the market, like feeling it coming. He went ahead and bought a case. Yep, of Henry that's my McKenna plan as well. for himself just to get and, ahead of the market. And the reason is that most of the bourbons that are out there, they saw what happened with um, with Maker's Mark. Mm. When Maker's Mark reduced their alcohol by volume by 2.5%, um, the, the entire world blew up and said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that you're doing this. This is the worst thing ever. And, and they had to change it back because of the, the outrage. Now, whether it changed the flavor of the bourbon or not, I don't know. Um, I, I never sat down and tasted them side by side. I've heard that it didn't. Um, I, I grabbed a bottle just to keep as a collector's item because I was positive that they would not keep it at that level for very long. So here's what's happening, though. Um, these brewer, or these distilleries are, are going to slowly and quietly take off their age statements. So Henry McKenna may be easy to find at the end of the next year, but it may not have that 10-year-old age statement on it. It may just go no age statement like Elijah Craig did a couple years ago. Um, your sub-$50, 8- to 10-year-old bourbons will be extremely hard to find. Um, you're going to have a hard time on most store shelves finding something that is that that level. Um, I think Eagle Rare right now is even a very difficult-to-find bourbon. It usually because is, there's though, no- anyway. I'm sorry? It usually is, though, anyway. Well, there's, there's, I mean, it's even more so like there's stores that you could normally go to and find Eagle Rare and some of these other bourbons that are really fairly easy to find and they're, they're disappearing. The key is that there's just not enough barrelage out there to keep up with this, this growth. And so um, this is one of the ways that they're going to, to help supplement that is to reduce the age statement or uh, go ahead and, and increase the price or take that age statement off altogether. Um, in cocktail culture, this will be the year of vermouth. Uh, this will be the year of bitter, uh, in my opinion. And it, it has been in the hip cocktail bars for a long time. But I think specifically in your mainstream Outback, Applebee's, TGI Fridays, uh, these are going to be the places that you're going to start seeing hip cocktails like a black tea old-fashioned. Um, 
something that's a little bit more bitter kick. Your upscale bars will start to find their way into a little bit more of the Amaro. Um, I had not really looked into this until a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it over Chinese, I think, Chris. Yeah. Um, this this spirit that's very, very close to um, uh, vermouth. Uh, and so the the fact that I think this is on the rise will spread more into the cocktail culture of upscale hipster-style bars, the the beardy bars, as they are. Hey, hey, um, hey. Offense is <laughs> taken. Gonna find- you're going to find more more drinks that are featuring uh, liquors, uh, vermouths that are like that. Um, you'll also see high-end bars start making even more bitters and bitter additions like vermouth. So you'll find um, their own bitters contraption in the back, maybe a uh, uh, a barrel that's full of bitters that they'll they'll just go and, and take a drop or two out of, or these bars that will have a uh, a barrel that they'll go and do their vermouth straight out of the barrel, and so. Um, you'll find some more hip bars starting to do that sort of thing. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's my my rundown for the year, and, and uh, mainly I have so many just because I want to see how well I do compared to the <laughs> no. Year prior. You've got some. You've got some good predictions. These in were there. so much more well thought out than the- <laughs> I get. So I keep mine very simple and to the topic I know. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Speaking of which, uh, let's find out what everybody's been drinking. Drink with me, friend. Oh, we didn't keep the scary version of this. No, whatever that was. Thankfully, that was a that was just a nightmare that we had. So the beer you have, I have now bought three times, intending to drink it, and have never even got to try it. You can have what's left. I should have given. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, You knew what you did, Brittany. It's fine. Own up to it. Yeah. Uh, To be fair, I'm not that much of a fan of it. Um, <laughs> oh. uh, so the beer is Black Tulip. It's a Belgian-style triple from New Holland Brewing. 8.8% ABV, uh, 21 IBUs, 3.91 out of 5 on Beer Advocate. And I have to read the description from the bottle because I couldn't find one online that was good. Um, elusive, mysterious, and alluring Hints of banana lie within layers of fruity esters, which are balanced by slight spiciness and a drying sweetness. Uh, and then it gives some pairings and crap. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, it smelled like vinegar, and it has this, like, nail polish remover quality to it. So, wow. uh, uh, I taste no banana, which I'm very it. sad about, because I like banana. It's- it's it's a triple. I could I, okay. I can kind of see getting to nail polish removal. Yeah, triples can get there. But it's it's that doesn't mean it's a good thing. But I could see no, it. Getting... What's it? Ethyl acetate. I think is. Yeah. 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 This is the. It's uh, a it's a Belgian yeast character. Yeah. It's the prominent flavor of uh, golden drac. Yeah, <laughs> is nail polish remover. Like Ooh. I don't I don't understand. Like I've been drinking it and I'm just like yeah whatever. Because after a while it's like. Uh, I don't know how to. Like, you just kind of get used to the taste, and it's like it's ba- it's not so bad that I'm just like. Just accept that this is your life now. Yeah, like <laughs> I. Uh, what was the one that I just? Okay, like the like it wasn't like fruit wood bad, but it was because that's now my new measure. Uh, straight tussin equals b- fruit is bad. Uh, I think it was your only dump of the night. That was well. It was between that and DKML because let's be serious. Um, oh yeah. The KML was one <laughs> one was, done. A little like, little uh, dick kicker malt liquor. So yeah, that, uh, that, that was fine. sadly like not a not a an astounding thing from Founders that whole lineup. 
But anyway, um, I, I, I'm just not a huge fan of this. And I, I usually like a good um, amount of Belgian-style beers, I think. But this is just not... This is just nail polish remover. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you don't need to apologize to us. You need to apologize to the brewer. Yeah. Uh, no, so, uh, so Justin, or does he need to apologize to you? I think that's more <laughs> yes. accurate. Yeah. So, Justin, why don't you go ahead and wash that taste out of our mouths? Um... What? <laughs> With what you were drinking. Anyway, uh, I'm drinking uh, the I'm drinking the, the, the OG as far as our uh, <laughs> our weird uh, flights go, I guess. Mm. I'm drinking some dragon smoke. Nice. Uh, no no special versions. No no chai kumquat. <laughs> uh, no, it's kumquat just... beers. That's this year's beer. <laughs> Well, then Urban Artifact's way ahead of the curve. I oh, mean, yeah. aren't they always? They usually are. Um, Go strong on kumquats. <laughs> like I try to do, it is to episode. This is a New Holland beer. Uh, it is uh, style American Double slash Imperial Stout. 11% ABV, 31 <laughs> IBUs, the 4.04 out of 5 from Beer Advocate. Uh, the brewery description is different from the bottle description which I find strange. Uh, the brewery description is a stout and roasty malt character intermingled with deep vanilla tones, all dancing in an oak bath. That's the best description, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was going to try to read the other one on the back, but like as I read that, I was like, you know what, never mind. That's, that'll do. The oak bath, um, that does it. No, you know it. You love it. It's dragon's milk. Uh, I'd, you would think I'd drink, I would drink more of this, but it's one I love, but it's one that I have so many other barrel-aged things that I don't go and, like, seek this out because I know I can always find it. Well, especially yeah. after you've had the variants of it, you're just like, oh, well, I guess, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, but, like, the, fine. the original is is still it's still good. Yeah. Um, it's got nice vanilla flavors. It's got nice, like, it's got a nice dark sort of flavor to it, I guess. Uh, it's it's good. I love it. You know it. It's Dragon's Milk. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get a little controversial. Um, You're going to pour that out and put it into a grease fire. So my beer, um, if you are a longtime listener, you will know God, this let's beer. let think about how long ago that was. I know. This is Pilgrim's Dole from New Holland Brewing Company. This is a wheat wine <laughs> ale. This is their take on the barley wine style. Comes in at 12% ABV. Uh, 68 IBUs, a beer advocate score of 3.98 out of 5. And the brewery's, the brewery's description, Pilgrim's Dole is a barley wine style ale made with 50% wheat malt, or what we at New Holland call a wheat wine. Pilgrim's Dole blends warming and slightly sweet flavors with a unique caramelized character. Rich, malty body with a unique caramelized character and hints of raisins, nuts, and figs. What else did we drink that episode? All I remember from that blind tasting. It was a blind blind tasting. All I remember from that was just profound anger about how this beer offended me. So okay, this is what I am going to call the first of our redemption stories. So I have very much Uh, been championing. I flashed to Hell's Kitchen and any any uh, reality show again. I'm going to get some redemption. I've been a champion (laughs) of beers that I've had in the past that I was not a fan of. Because our palates are constantly changing and evolving. A beer you love today, you may hate in two years' time. 
Especially since we actually had this one. It's been a good minute now. And a beer you hated two years ago, you may love now. And I won't say that I love it. Don't lie to me. But I extremely enjoy this beer now. Pilgrim's Dole has shot up on my list. It is is like a barrel-aged barley wine. I don't even know you anymore, Chris. So (laughs) I've got to say that Pilgrim's Dole just... I I like it. I'm I'm a fan. Now, okay. I remember Aaron enjoyed it when we had the... But didn't Brittany also at least not hate it? No. Apparently I liked liked it. it. When I was not. So this beer made it on uh, one of our uh, lists of worst beers of the year last year. (laughs) <laughs> and Brittany had to come out to defend it. She's no, no, no. I actually, she's like, I very much enjoyed this one. And blah, blah, blah. I don't Bob's number one worst beer of the year. Yeah. Oh my God. It's still my number one worst beer of any year. I genuinely don't remember how it tastes at all. So yeah, I don't after... either, but I just remember anger. So did you find it? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, he's got it. Jungle Jim's. Is it out right now? Yeah. It's everywhere. Oh, Jungle Jim's has singles piled up on the shelf. Really? Gonna, it must be the season. Casey's going to stop by my house one day and just, covertly somehow change a like change the label on one of my beers today. <laughs> what do you want, think bob do you want four packs of it they've got four packs of it it's... yeah i'll definitely try to pick some of that up because okay. i love to age that beer yeah um that'd be interesting we'll go hunting uh, when you're up here at the end of the month but yeah, yeah. i actually gotta say enjoy it so redeemed thank you new holland so what are you drinking cool. casey so i am off topic off, um, uh, yeah uh, pretty much about as far as you can go because carbs yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I eat Taco Bell today, so you know he we're not starting technically till Monday. But either way, I, I didn't need to go out and buy beer to have it in the house to tempt me. Fair enough. Um. So I'm having the Bunahaban Twelve. It's an Ale single malt whiskey. Comes in at forty six point three ABV. Whiskey Exchange rates it at four point five out of five. Wow. Uh, bur- or the distillery's description is an alluring balance of sweet fruits, nuts, vanilla, and delicate coastal influence. Let's so, make a change here to the duck because it's not a brewer. Yeah. <laughs> Distiller. So this is a nice, very sweet, um, yet still some of that, that seawater. Um, not really iodine necessarily, but more of a um, salty, smoky sort of uh, seaweed sort of uh, aroma, which yeah. I like. It's good. Um, I'm not big on smoke. This is kind of a a sweet butter toffee. That sounds fine, mm. though. Aroma, yeah. I like this. All the whiskeys you have occasionally just makes me want to get some. But I know, right? Most of them are wi- are cheap. Like, I've got five or six whiskeys back there that are under $15 a bottle that are amazing. I want a bottle maybe, of that Weller, like, yesterday. Maybe, maybe after I potentially move later this year. Oh, oh yes. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I'm heading up that way. Yeah. And, Unless there's a wild change, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just meant out of out of my current apartment. All right, so <laughs> don't want to have to lug around expensive, well, like even semi-expensive yeah. or affordable whiskeys that will shatter in transit. Mm. Um, if I could give one whiskey recommendation out there, yes, the Evan Williams Black Label comes in around thirteen dollars. Um, most of, uh, and did I hear a? I think I heard a rumor. Maybe from one of our folks that was over that you could only get that in Kentucky, possibly. But if you can't, the Evan Williams Black Label is is an amazingly good cheap whiskey, and you should get that for sure. Cool. 
Thirteen dollars a bottle for a whiskey that that tastes amazing. That sounds fine. That's yeah. highway robbery. <laughs> I won't believe it, sir. All right. Uh, I think that that does it. Um, not a ton of information on New Holland, but we've managed to split the episode up to be a good starter for the new year. I think. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So. If that's the case, then you can visit us at haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us. Also look for Have a Drink Show on social media, twitch.tv, and YouTube. YouTube. Uh, don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can use the feedback page on the website. Yes, and all <laughs> joking and fun aside, guys, uh, please drink responsibly. Yes, uh... So uh, check us out next Saturday for our uh, another live episode. And um, remember to check out our new Patreon, patreon.com slash have a drink show. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin, Ble- uh, Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Tired. Bye. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>